0: with intimacy but people often die when they get close to me. I'm kicking and punching.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 23rd episode of the DC Three glee Batman and Robin Eternal podcast, wherein we discuss Batman and Robin Eternal number 23. I'm joined, my name is Zach, and I'm joined as always by Brian and Vince. And um, as usual, we're going to start off with a Brief ish recap of the issue. So if you haven't read the issue yet, this is your opportunity to press pause, go read the issue, and then come back because we will discuss spoilers. Um, So this issue is, as always, a story uh, by James Tynion and the fourth and Scott Snyder. This one written by Genevieve Valentine and illustrated by, I always get his name wrong, Christian Duve. Deuce? Duce? What the deuce? What the deuce? What do you guys think? oyan
2: I'm gonna say deuce because it sounds cool. You could call him. You, like his friends would be know. like, "Hey, deuce! Yeah, it's the deuce. It's the deuce. I like it.
0: Christian deuce. Yeah, you know, let's go with deuce. My next door neighbor, when I lived in an apartment, had a, a dog that's name was Deuce O because it was a beagle. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> so let's go with let's go with deuce.
1: All right, Christian deuce. So the issue kicks off. We are in the, um, the new world order that we saw at the end of last issue where Mother has taken over all the children and they are going to kill all the adults. and uh, Things are bad. <laughs> so we get, <laughs> we get uh, uh, images of children all over the world kind of looking up into the sky, stopping what they're doing and grabbing dangerous weapons to go attack all the adults. I got to tell you,
2: the, the rebellious 10-year-old Vince is really liking that scenario. <laughs> you don't need brainwashing.
0: You, you can just hear another brick in the wall part two <laughs> <Yeah>. playing.
1: Goodness. <laughs> um, so anyway, overlaying this, we uh, get Colin listening to, uh, I guess, old voicemails from Harper. Um, just kind of catching him up on everything that's been happening. And he is watching what's happening on TV, but I guess it's just old enough that he's not affected by by the brainwashing. And um, we have Steph in her spoiler costume um, getting ready to go out and, you know, do some superhero stuff when Tim jumps in through a door, um, a authority Midnighter, I don't know. I don't know who holds claim to doors anymore exactly, <laughs> um, but a trademark Wildstorm door, um, <laughs> and pops in to pick up Steph and Colin because they they now have a base of operations and they're working to stop Mother and go save Cass, and so he he takes them with him through the door, and um, we wind up at, I, I guess it's Midnighter's apartment, which is yeah. their base of operations. And it seems like since the last issue, they've, they've teamed up with Midnighter. He's kind of running this op for them, and the whole Bat family is getting together. Um, we Including have,
0: some like nice uh, like auxiliary members.
1: Right, right, yes. Yeah. So like, all of the main characters that we've been kind of following, each of them goes out through the doors to pick up a, a different kind of tangential tertiary bat character like Batwoman or Tatana. Catwoman, Katana, Black Canary. And so we're kind of getting the the build up to to the big giant team up that I think we've all been waiting for. And they need this many people because they found that there are twelve cities that have 12 that each have a receiver that I guess they're using to broadcast the signal. And so the the mission is to go take out these receivers um, to to help block the signal. Um, the other part of this plan involves um, Scarecrow, and so the the team sends Steph out to to guard Scarecrow, both to watch him and to protect him from Mother, um, because it, she's likely out to get him. And um, we get a moment, probably one of the best moments of the issue, I think, where Scarecrow attempts to feed on Steph's fears and doubts. And she basically just (laughs) shuts him down completely. Um, And it's really a great moment. I'm sure we'll talk about it more later. Um, Then Jason comes in and kind of beats him up a little bit, threatens him and... um, tells him that they need a lot of trauma toxin in order to kind of override mother's effects, which we've seen previously in the series, um, the, that fear and trauma can counteract these effects. So that's the second part of their plan. And, um, the issue progresses. Um, the, the teams move into their respective spots, a lot of nice establishing shots across the world. And, um, We get a nice moment between Cullen and Midnighter where Cullen is just kind of, you know, he's, he's there, but he gets his moment. He gets to help hack into, uh, CCT cameras in, in Sydney. Um, and then we get the big moment where Dick goes on his suicide run. He's, going off to the arctic where he can't be reached by communication or door to have his final showdown with mother and that's where the issue ends at one hour and two minutes and 45 seconds into mother's new world
0: nice job well done thank you so all right i have an opening question for us sure is this the best the book has been in quite some time? I was
2: just going to say that! <laughs> this is the best issue in a long while.
0: If not of yeah. the whole series.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. This
0: is the well, Bat think Family just... team-up book we want. Yeah, it's what we've wanted.
2: Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. For sure.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so much I could rave about. Um, uh, I mean, for, first of all, the thing, the thing that I want to say is that uh, last week... Um, I I think Brian, I think it was you said something like, "Uh, that issue didn't do Genevieve Valentine any favors." And this one did. Oh my God, she knocked this one out of the park! Like, like, there's that voice that I was looking for. You know, it's almost, it's almost as if the last issue was written by somebody else, or like so heavily editorially mandated that you couldn't get a voice in there. Right. You know. And then here, she just she gives every character a little moment, you know.
0: I will say, and this is not a knock on her. If I read this issue without reading the credits, I'd have thought it was a Steve Orlando issue.
1: I I thought the same thing. In fact, I I didn't check to see who wrote it at the beginning, and then I went back to double check, and I would have said Steve Orlando at first too.
2: Yeah, well, only
0: because cl- the Midnighter voice was there.
2: Right, it
1: was. It really Midnighter. was. Yeah.
2: But you know what? If she can write. Midnighter that well too like I hope she gives him something to do (coughs) in the in the post you you know thank you
1: (laughs) couldn't make sure that meet fast enough (laughs) (laughs) that's
0: right um I I agree with you Vince this was uh this is a great issue for her
2: yeah I mean what was we'll get to our one thing Mm-hmm. But, like, what was your favorite... The one thing is not necessarily your favorite moment. Right. What was your favorite moment of, of the issue? Zach, Zach you oh, go first.
1: Yeah, undoubtedly the, the part with Steph and Sarah, Scarecrow.
2: Yeah. Let's dig into that a little bit.
1: Yeah, so basically... I'll have to, like, turn to it to see exactly... Refresh my memory on, like, the exact dialogue. But basically, he's just kind of, you know, doing the typical villain thing where he tries to make her, like, doubt herself, I guess. And basically, like, what she says, you, you're just trying to manipulate me, so I'll do what you want. Um, And it's just great. She's just like, oh, are you, are you trying to mess with me? Uh, She's
0: so nonplussed by
1: it. Exactly. You know, it's just yeah. like, I obviously know what you're doing, which is the, you know, the obvious response to that, you know, well-worn trope. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: You know, anyone who, at this point who could fall for that, it's it's not really good writing, you know, it's not really believable. I'll and say so this though. Like she is the, she's
0: the, the character that you'd believe it the most from though, because she's yeah, so new true. to this.
1: Yeah, I guess that's true. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I just love that scene. I thought it was great.
2: Yeah. And I think, um, I don't think it was much in the way of personality, but it was a step toward giving Steph a personality since she's been reintroduced because um as nice as it was to see her in, in Batman Eternal the first time around, I don't think she had much of a voice. At least well, she
0: was he like hiding in the air conditioning ducts the whole time <laughs> to do anything.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean Yeah, it 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 was nice to have Steph back, but she wasn't quite the Steph we know and love. And this isn't quite that Stephanie either but but it's a, it's approaching a character now, you know. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. giving
0: her something to do. Yeah. That scene couldn't be anybody else in the issue, let's put it that way. Right. And that's a good thing. Yeah. Uh my favorite moment from the issue, although that that would have been certainly in the top 2, but I loved the Bat family just recruiting their uh their pals. Mm. To me that's such a like Classic silver and bronze age thing to do. Like I, I can remember so many issues of, of various comics from the late eighties, early nineties, when there'd be a big a big bad someplace, and they'd say, "Well, I called Superman, but he's off planet today, <laughs> so I got you know Booster Gold, whatever the case." may be. you know these people. There, that was always something that would happen. Like heroes were always calling each other to help out because it's just what heroes did. And this just very much did not feel like a new 52... Like th- Nobody was begrudgingly helping. Yeah. Nobody was like, I'll be there, but you owe me this time, <laughs> Like It you know, wasn't that. It was like, no, okay, shit's going down. We have to work together. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed that.
2: Yeah, yeah. Damien like, drops in and he's just like, Katana's in, you know? I'm like, yeah. like alright, okay.
1: When has Damien ever talked to Katana? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That yeah. was weird.
2: But I like it, you know? like yeah. I could not care la- if they just start having this is this is one of my problems with the new fifty two in general. They've been doing five years of stories where like two heroes meet one another and are like, "Whoa, who are you? what are you do? you know yeah, like I just want them to skip to the part where everybody knows everybody again yep and and okay, they can butt heads, but like let's just have them let's have let's pretend that like these people are in the news sometimes, you know. Like, right. not everybody like, is a mystery to everybody else.
0: Yeah, and here's what Jason says about Black Canary: "Is okay, Black Canary is willing. She said I had to specify. She's agreeing, but dislikes me personally. Oh, so. that's
2: great. That was a great line.
0: Like, it's a great line. It shows that everybody's not like best friends, but it's not. She's not. She's clearly fucking with him a little bit. Like, yeah. you know. It's just. It shows her personality. It shows his personality. It's real. That that one line of dialogue was." Is perfectly does what you were just talking about. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Um, yeah. I um, and I think you know while it's not necessarily the best looking issue we've ever had, I think Christian Deuce does a nice job with this issue. I don't think there's anything egregiously bad about it. You know, Dick Grayson doesn't look like Jimmy Stewart or anything. You know, there's uh, a few times when he looks. Dick looks a little beefy.
2: He looks like Uh, Sterling Archer sometimes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I can see that. Yeah. (laughs) I I really liked Deuce's uh Scarecrow. I uh-huh. thought he looked quite creepy and quite he good. He did.
2: Yep. Yeah, he was really creepy. Yeah. You know, this is just like like I, I don't I don't mean to belittle art when I say this, but but there is a style of art that's just like standard superhero style, you know, yep. like like standard cape book, and that's what this is, you know? And there's nothing yeah. wrong with that.
0: No, no, it looks good. Yeah. There's a couple of very nice pages. That that page It's towards the end of the issue. It's the double page spread where you see Duke and Damien and Jason and Tim and um, Batwoman and Helena and Catwoman and Katana and Babs all like at their perches. Mm -hmm. And each one is in movement and each except for uh, Duke and Babs. It's just it's a really it's a really nice it's really well composed two pages. Yeah. Yeah.
2: totally. It is. Um. So my favorite moment was uh, it was the little moment between Midnighter and Dick when Dick was uh, you know Midnighter's like you're alone out there you know and he's clearly worried about Dick Mm -hmm. but like doesn't want to show it because he's Midnighter you know he's a badass and then there's you know he says Grayson out and there's just the image of of uh, Midnighter's face and he's just kind of like resigned to the fact that. Dick is gone and alone, and p- quite possibly isn't coming back. You know, right? And I like it because they've been, I mean, Steve Orlando and uh, Tim Seeley and Tom King have been uh, pairing Dick and Midnighter up quite a bit over the last, you know, year or so.
1: Yeah, yeah, really. Ever since Grayson started.
2: Yeah, yeah, and um, and first of all, I think that just works so well, and I think if. But they, it's.
1: You never would have expected it, though. No,
2: never. Like, yeah. that's a
1: pairing that you never would have
0: called.
2: Yeah. Do you and... give me
0: a hundred characters and have me pair them up. I don't know if I ever pair those two up. Yeah. I know, but it's perfect. just great.
2: Yeah, and now, and now, like, and I, they don't ever have to advance that relationship path. Like, I hope it never gets to the point, like, where some <laughs> misguided writer, like, tries to make actual, like, relationship drama between the two of them. Right, like that. That to me would just be too like maudlin, I think. But I love this like friendship slash like almost like flir- flirtation. Like, to...
1: well, I was gonna say it's like professional, uh,
2: like courtesy th- or like,
1: respect. They're they're almost like uh, not maybe not colleagues. It's not that, but the, like it's like if you were you know. Uh, almost like uh, professional rivals in a way. Yeah. You know, like they're in the same field and they have a mutual respect for each other.
2: They're Goku and Vegeta. Yes. <laughs> I, yes. I keep using DVZ references to when I'm and talking I keep about. And I keep getting so excited.
0: <laughs> and I keep glazing over. over here. Yeah. Sorry, Brian. <laughs> That's right. That's
1: right. Um, but it's, it's really kind of perfect. They are. Yeah. Like, they really could be.
0: Well, that kind of uh, do we have anything that kind of slips into my one thing? But do we have anything else to talk about before we slip into our one things?
1: No, I don't think so. Let's slip into a nice cozy one thing.
0: Yeah, my nice cozy one thing here is that to me this issue is even though his name does not appear on it in any way, this has to be like a victory lap for Steve Orlando because. So much of the tone of this issue, like yes, Midnighter was appearing in Grayson before he was appearing in his own series, but so much of like the way that Midnighter deals with the guy who he's sleeping with in this issue, mm-hmm. and the way that Midnighter is taking control, like this wouldn't have been possible before Steve Orlando's book. No, and, oh, for sure, and like, and this is a made. This is maybe the pinnacle of this series so far. Like, this isn't. This is the emotional high point of it and it's coming from a book that is barely older than the weekly is you know mm-hmm. it just shows how much that book has worked at least within the bat office you know for the bat office to make this to make him such an integral character I mean if you look at this cover he gets more screen time on the cover than anyone else does <laughs> he's he's the image in the foreground you know um, yeah. and I think that's just so great
2: yeah yeah that's I, I didn't really think about it that way until you until you said it, but that's really true. I mean it's huge it's this is like the tent pole book that's going on right now, and in one issue he stole it, you know, <laughs> like
0: without even being there
2: yeah, 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 oh man yeah yeah I, so I hope good.
0: that this means that d c realizes what they have on their hands with Orlando,
2: oh yeah, yeah, and i you know what I think they do because. Orlando keeps tweeting, like, he's he's reading classic DC books right now. Yeah. Very clearly, like, doing research or things like, or, you know, or or maybe he just likes DC, but, you know, I've got to believe he's on at least one or two books post-rebirth, and I can't wait to see what they are. I just can't, I mean.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I hope there's still some kind of Midnighter vehicle in Rebirth.
2: Yeah. That or was...
1: eventually, you know. I mean, we have the titles already. Part of me is hoping that we maybe don't know everything. I still. I kind of hope leave.
0: he's on the Titans team. Oh, I hope really. He and... Yeah, I, I know. I know we have our dr- our collective dream of uh-huh. uh, Kyle Rayner and Dick Grayson leading the Titans. But doesn't it kind of make sense for Midnighter and Dick Grayson lead the Titans?
2: That's a god dream.
0: As Brian. as long as as long as yeah. <laughs> Kyle can be on the two. Okay.
1: Yeah. But, but yeah, that'd be great. And you know, I I still like. I love those Wildstorm characters, mm-hmm. and I would love to see more of them get the chance to show up in DC, because I think, you know, when they sh- when Stormwatch happened, like that was a misstep, yeah, for sure.
0: I forget um, that happened all the time. <laughs>
1: yeah, but now you know they. I feel like this was maybe the way it should have been handled in the first place. Like bring. Focus on a few characters and really build them up mm-hmm. and then maybe bring in some more because, you know, like Jack Hawksmore is one of my favorites. Like, yeah. I would love to see him.
2: Oh, but that's such a hard
0: character to, to bring into any universe. Yeah, it is. I, but,
2: yeah. I don't know. But, Zach, I'm totally with you. Like, as Stormwatch was happening at the start of the new 52, I said several times on Twitter um, that the reason that this team isn't working. Is because it's a team of Wildstorm characters that were meant to be parodies of DC Comics characters, <laughs> now operating in that world. And if you're yeah. just going to throw them on a spaceship and they're out in space somewhere,
1: then it's almost like you know.
2: It might. It's. It's like a. It, it feels like a lesser Justice League or a Justice. Yeah. And without that, like, w- without being able to be as edgy as they want to be, it's a neutered. Version it of that. is, and
1: you yeah. know, I had. Yeah. I, we're getting like way off topic, but I had.
2: <laughs> no, this like, is good.
1: <laughs> such high hopes for that book too, because Cornell had was kind of a really hot.
0: He was riding like, that 100%. Lex Luthor extra action, action comics train. Yeah.
1: yeah, exactly. He was coming off of that, and, Demon and I thought, yeah, and I, yeah, that too. And I thought, you know, the the pairing of Martian Manhunter with authority characters, I thought was a an interesting. Like I thought, yeah, that's a. DC character that I could see fitting in with that bunch, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, I think the book I wanted was... I wanted to see a book where the Authority and the Justice League clashed on, you know, ethical and, you know, ideological issues. But of course, we didn't get that and may never get that. But I, I am really glad that, like, Midnighter at least has found, like, a really solid footing...
2: Yeah,
0: in the DCU.
2: You ha- you have to. Who think... would have
0: thought like taking a character and doing it right would lead to good things? <laughs> um, you know,
1: they don't teach this stuff in school, so you.
2: <laughs> but yeah, Orlando was the perfect choice for that. I mean, I don't know if he pitched it or if they went to him, but it's it was a match made in heaven either way. Yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah. Anyway. That's a good one thing. Zach did, Thanks. what's your what's your one thing?
1: Um I had just like a weird question about like one bit of dialogue in that scene where Jason was uh talking to Scarecrow and he said something like you know, he was threatening him and he said something like, Oh, when we get back I'll give Steph a gun or something like that yeah yeah if not i'm giving spoiler a gun when i go get her your call and i just thought that was a weird it's like that's that's a weird threat to me yeah
2: that was that that was just like a hard-ass uh red hood thing to say i think yeah don't you think i mean i guess
1: it just like i was like and what would she do with it like i'm just imagining (laughs) like she would he would hand that to her and she would obviously be like well what do i do with this and she would
2: break batman's one rule
1: yes exactly (laughs) that that is what would happen
2: yeah no i agree i i thought i stumbled over that line too kind of like uh but i just chalked it up to jason being a weird dickhead (laughs)
0: yes (laughs) it's essentially what you have to do
2: yeah (laughs) i know i think sometimes we you know you
1: have these characters and you get funky bits of dialogue like that and i just like to think like these are real people, too. They say dumb stuff sometimes. Yeah, right. <laughs>
2: right. <laughs> that's good.
1: Jason's just really weird sometimes.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: He, he's probably pretty upset about all the acrimony going on within the cheap trick camp right now involving <laughs> the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction and who's going to play drums. So. Um,
1: that's what's really, like, in the back of his mind, just eating at him while yeah. the world's children are telling their parents.
0: He's just punching people in the face saying, Bunny Carlos! Bunny Carlos! <laughs> and it's a deep, cheap trick reference for yeah, all you folks out there. Yeah. <laughs> um, what's your one thing, Vince?
2: Uh, my one thing is, is uh, uh, the interview with the lovely Amy Adams who just seems like such a delight. <laughs> I take it from your silence you thought I was serious.
0: No, I just realized <laughs> I hadn't turned to the last page and seen that she was interviewed in the back of the book, oh. so... Okay. I, I didn't know what you were referring
2: to. No, I like Amy Adams. Okay, um, my one thing. Well, I have a bigger one thing I want to talk about next. But my one like stupid thing is that I must have been like dozing off or like half asleep when I started this reading this book, <laughs> because I got to the the second page, which is like the double page spread with the title Zero Hour" on it. Yeah, and <laughs> I saw Colin listening to his phone or whatever and it said everything will be alright and I thought maybe it was he was listening to the classic Sean Mullins song rockabye everything is gonna be alright rockabye what if he what if he
0: was (laughs) no I literally all I know is I'm gonna isolate that Vince audio and make a loop for myself every night when I'm going to bed just lull me into sleep with Vince's sweet tones (laughs)
2: No, but I, I literally thought that, and I was like, what? what? And I had to go back and be like, oh, okay, this was, yeah, okay. I thought, I'm here to I be thought... the
0: next page. It was like, hi, I'm Sean Mullins, singer of Rockify, <laughs> <laughs> here to tell I... you mother's a bitch. I I
1: really thought you were going to say that you you were dozing off, and you thought it was uh, a stealth zero-hour crossover. <laughs>
2: <laughs> zero year or zero hour? No, zero hour. Oh, zero hour, <laughs> like the uh, like the yeah from yes.
1: like the, the best event in DC Comics history. Like like, like Parallax up. just shows up on the next page yeah. and
2: which hey, given what's apparently happening in Green Lantern is not yeah. far off, mind you.
0: Not far. I am so far behind. What's happening in Green Lantern?
2: The Parallax Hell uh, showed up.
0: Oh okay, oh, cool. like the
1: zero hour one though. From right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Because he's free in the multiverse now since the end of uh, convergence. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I guess. <laughs> it was, all those characters are like, well, uh, our usefulness has been uh, rendered uh, obsolete, so see <laughs> you later. And they fly off at the end.
2: Okay, but can I give you my real one thing? Sure. All right. My real one thing is kind of a larger scope um, idea, which takes me back to the pre Flashpoint sort of era in the Bat Books. And you had. You had um, Tim recently being, like, officially adopted by Bruce, right? Right. You had Stephanie Brown having some sort of budding friendship with Damian Wayne, right? Like, there were a few crossovers where they'd, like, hang out and butt heads a little bit, and it was fun. You're like, you remember that?
1: (laughs) Yeah. And there
2: were all these relationships and pairings and stuff in the pre-Flashpoint time or era that were kind of thrown out the window, right? Flashpoint happened. We got all the New 52 books. Lots of those relationships were lost. Um, And I have to say, this is one of the first times, finally, in the New 52, where I'm getting that feeling again. I'm getting that feeling with Grayson and Midnighter. I'm getting that feeling with Midnighter and Cullen. Like now they're, they're like, hang, they hung out for a little bit in this issue. And it's like, I could totally see that. Like Cullen is Midnighter's hacker or something, you know? Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. now there's all these little, little relationships that are forming finally. Um, And I guess it's mostly happening in the Bat books because those have been the best run books out of any of these. But now I'm hoping, like I'm, I'm surprised to find myself actually hoping that post rebirth, some of these things remain and are not forgotten about. We kind of alluded to that already with with wanting a place for Midnighter, you know. Yeah. But May like, I make
0: an observation here? Yeah, yeah. Notice that both of those things happened when Bruce is off the table.
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's any coincidence. Um, I think we. I think we kind of all have talked about how some of the best Batman moments in Batman history, at least in the last decade, have happened when Bruce was not around. Mhm, right? Like, yeah. You know? Not that his not that his um not that when Morrison was writing Bruce that it wasn't good, you know, but like Dick and Damien was such a special thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? And him writing Bruce was very good, but it it didn't often feel special or different, you know. Um, And that's, this issue really got me to think, wow, if things could be like this all the time, you know, there wouldn't nearly be as many complaints about the new, new 52 to begin with, you know.
0: I wonder if, if you gave this, obviously it's hard to give this issue to a new reader because it's, it's, it's issue 23 in a book that is one giant arc. But, like, I don't think anything in here is so dense that it will be confusing to folks. No. You know, I think all the characters are introduced in logical ways. Like, you don't have to know who Black Canary is or Katana or Catwoman to understand their role in this.
2: Mm-mm. Even
0: Midnighter. They say at one point, like, we're going to a guy with a fighting computer in his brain or something like that. You know, like... um, Like, everyone's explained pretty well. And so I think that part of the reason people were always saying, oh, you know, DC was so hard to get into is there were all these complex relationships. I think this issue proves you can do that without it being overwhelming.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And you know what else? I I always call BS on that argument because there are so many times where a character will say something expository to explain the reference that was just made. You know, like, you don't need to have read all these comics to understand, you know, someone eventually is going to say, Oh, it's you. You're the son of whoever, you know? Like, right. Yeah. You know, and, and this issue doesn't even need any of that. You're right. It's, it's pretty straightforward.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't think Definitely.
2: comics are as hard as everyone thinks they are.
1: Comments I agree. Are, Guys. <laughs> comics Context, are easy. Please. Jump yeah. on
2: board. Go to your local comic book shop. And Pick Up Telos number six oh, came out today. Did it really? Yes.
1: Oh, man. Well, you, is that the last issue? You better
2: believe I'm on that. No, is that know.
1: the last issue? Um, I think so.
2: Yeah, I, I don't know. Why I don't, don't know? know if that was a six Pour or one out for,
1: for Telos.
2: <laughs> I hope he made it back to his home planet or whatever that book is about. <laughs> <laughs> Found his family.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, this was fun. I know. Three issues yeah. left.
0: That's it, guys. Three issues. Oh man. But I we know. can now officially tease. We have our. We're going to be doing four episodes. Uh, looking back on the new Fifty Two, we have guests lined up from the multiversity family, and uh, we're maybe going to try and get some DC guests on here too. I've I've been teas- I haven't even talked to you guys about that yet, but I'm going to try.
1: Oh man. Um.
0: And uh yeah, we're gonna have some fun in between the end of Eternal and the start of Rebirth. So um for all that and more, check out multiversitycomics.com. And while you're at it, check us out on Twitter. I am at Brian Needs a Nap.
2: I am Uh-oh. Oh, go ahead, Zach. Uh you go. I am at Surfox No, I am at VJ underscore O S T R O W S K I and I'm getting real mad at Packer fans lately, so be aware those Packer fans.
1: (laughs) Um, yes. As Vince alluded, I am at Sir Fox eight, nine, and I don't tweet. I haven't been tweeting.
2: (laughs) He, he retweets, um, uh, like stuff about Pokemon or like video game deals sometimes.
1: Or like do if, I do that?
2: If Amazon's having a contest, sometimes you'll... I you, might retweet that. Yeah, yeah. On that goodness. Follow and retweet to win whatever. Zach, Zach does So if that. you want to
1: get in on the deals, on yeah. the, deep, the deep deals, or if I see a funny tweet, do you see that uh, DOS racist?
2: Parody I retweeted the other day <laughs> Yep, yep and see? and listeners can see that too if they follow you on twitter yeah. Yeah. it wasn't
0: it wasn't as great as vince's uh Re- Ignition remix tweet, oh my Re- God retweet. <laughs> i oh i was I was telling my wife my daughter was up at six o'clock in the morning yesterday, and I was lying on my side while she was watching t v <laughs> pretending to be asleep, scrolling through Twitter, and I like blurt laughed, and she knew I was awake because I read that tweet whoa <laughs> oh <my. laughs> whoa. It was. This is the remix of Ignition 911 Edition. Jet fuel can't me- melt steel, steel beams. Uh, it was a, it control was a controlled demolition.
1: demolition. I wanted to favorite that. Like it's like I wasn't even gonna retweet it. I wanted to favorite it, but I was afraid that someone would see that I had favored that tweet. Oh no! And think that you're actually
0: a truther? <laughs> yes. <laughs>
1: like I'm not gonna touch the <laughs> the 10 foot digital pole but I appreciate it oh,
0: man. well follow the three of us for for uh you know uh 911 truther <laughs> jokes and amiibo deals and hacker hatred and uh all sorts of i love stuff.
2: the packers I hate our fans let's hey, let's get that i clear. understand <laughs> alright
0: Hashtag go, pack go See you Adam next
2: week.